Today in our final teaching leading up to Christmas, what I wanted to do is look at the reasons Jesus came. And there are many uh, reasons stated in the scripture. Uh, we're, we're not gonna look at all of them today. I just wanted to zero in on a few. But, but of course, there, there was um, a, a purpose, a, a specific purpose in God becoming a man in the word becoming flesh. And so that's what we want to uh, focus on today. And I wanna begin with uh, the words of Jesus himself from Luke chapter nine, verse 56. This is what he said. He said, for the son of man, of course he's referring to himself, uh, did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. The Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Now, the backdrop to this statement is that Jesus had, uh, was, was passing through the city of Samaria on his way to Jerusalem, and the Samaritans were, were relatively indifferent uh, to him. And so the disciples who were with the Lord, they, they took note of that indifference, and they were offended by that. And they said to Jesus, they said, Lord, do you want us to to call down fire from heaven and consume them like Elijah did. Back in the Old Testament period, something kind of like that happened with Elijah. So they're saying, Lord, can we do that? Should we do that? And Jesus said to them, he said, oh, you don't know the spirit that you are of. And then these words, for the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. So the first reason for Jesus coming into the world was to save. He came to save. He came to seek and to save the lost. What did he come to save us from? Well, primarily, he came to save us from sin. You see, believe it or not, sin is the real problem in the world. It's the explanation for the, the big problems that we have. It's the explanation for what we might consider the smaller problems, smaller in the sense that they're more, they're, they're personal, they're limited to our own um, experience. They, they don't necessarily go you know, beyond the borders of maybe our own homes. Uh, but either, either way, whether it's uh, international problems manifesting themselves in conflict and and suffering and death and things like that, or, or just the, the struggles within, they're all related back to sin. It was John Stott who said this. He said, much of what we take for granted in civilized society is based on the assumption of human sin. Nearly all legislation has grown up because human beings cannot be trusted to settle their own disputes with justice and without self-interest. A promise is not enough. We need a contract. Doors are not enough. We have to lock and bolt them. Laws are not enough. We need police to enforce them. We cannot trust each other. We need protection against each other. It's so true, isn't it? I mean, we, these are things that we just take for granted. This is just the way society works. But if you stop and think about it, these things exist, like Stott is saying here, because of the reality of sin. And so sin is the big problem. Jesus didn't come to destroy our lives. Sin 
is destroying our lives. Jesus came to save us. He came to save us from sin, first of all. He also came to save us from Satan. But let's look real quickly at him coming to save us for sin, from sin. So he came to save us from sin. First of all, um, the ramifications of sin in the spiritual realm. So sin has ramifications spiritually, mentally, and emotionally, and also physically. And Jesus came to save us ultimately uh, from sin and all of its ramifications. But first of all, he saves us from the spiritual ramifications of sin. What are those ramifications? What, what has sin done to me spiritually? Well, because of sin, I am spiritually dead. So this is how we are by nature. We're spiritually dead. We are dead to the reality of God. We're dead to the life of God. We're dead to any kind of real uh, communion with God, any, any kind of real fellowship with God. That's all due to sin. So we are uh, spiritually dead and this is, is really um, separation from God. That, that's really what spiritual death is. Spiritual death is separation from God. We are separated by our sins from God. God spoke to the people of Israel. He said, uh, my, my ear is not heavy that I cannot hear. My, my arm is not short that I cannot save, but your sins have separated you from me. And this is what's happened to us. Our, our sins have separated us from, from God. And this has put us in a, in a place of condemnation. So those are the spiritual ramifications of sin. I'm dead in trespasses and sin. I'm separated from God. And I am in a, in a place of condemnation because those sins, they call forth a judgment. And my sin has, has brought me into that place of judgment. But remember, Jesus didn't come to destroy. He came to save. But there's also the mental and the emotional ramifications of sin. As a result of sin, we are in bondage to uh, desires. We're in bondage to certain ways of thinking. We're in bondage to certain attitudes and behaviors. Things that we don't want to do, even. Things that we uh, no, we shouldn't do. We, we find that there's this power that, that seems to control us. Even when we know that something is destructive and harmful and, and unpleasing to God, we seem so often to have no ability to overcome those things. Sin has a dominion over us. But Jesus comes to save us from that. He comes to, to break that. As the hymnist said, he breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the captives free. And so from the, uh, from the emotional, the mental and the emotional ramifications of sin, and then thirdly, he saves us from the physical ramifications of sin. Now, this is yet to come. Jesus will save from the physical ramifications of sin. What are the physical ramifications? Well, Sickness is one of the physical ramifications of sin. Not to say that every time you're sick, it's directly related to sin, but it's indirectly related to sin because sin 
came into the world and sickness resulted from that. The, the possibility for sickness. There was no such thing as sickness before sin. And then, of course, sickness, the ultimate manifestation of sickness, right, would be, or, or the final conclusion of it would be death. And so Jesus came to save. He did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. He came to save us from the spiritual, the mental, the emotional, and the physical ramifications of sin. And that's what he does. When we embrace him, when we receive him, he brings us to life spiritually. He brings us into a relationship with God. He delivers us from the the state of condemnation that we were in. And he breaks that dominion of sin over our lives and he progressively sets us free as time goes on. And then eventually he will heal our bodies entirely. All sin, all all, all suffering, all sickness, all of those things will be done away with and we will receive an entirely new life. But he also saves us from Satan's power. You know, it's so interesting these, these Christmas hymns that we sing. And as I've mentioned before, you know, these, these uh, melodies and all that we're familiar with, we hear them as we're out uh, shopping or, or whatever. You know, you hear these uh, melodies in the background. And if you listen closely, some of the words that are, that are being sung there to free us all from Satan's power. And I wonder if people, you know, shopping, just suddenly somebody just tuned into that. You're like, what? What, what? what was that to free us from what? Satan's power, yes. Satan's power is real. Satan's power has uh, control over the minds and the hearts of men. And we're seeing manifestations of that more and more in our world today. You know, one of the specific things that Satan is Uh, responsible for. And Jesus referred to him in this way. Jesus said regarding Satan that he was a murderer from the beginning. You think of all the murder that we're hearing about these days. You go back to the the period of the the Second World War, the the Nazi regime, or even the, the communist regime that was also simultaneously, you know, at work and one of, the, one of the chief features of both of those regimes was murder. They, they murdered masses of people. And we see this today. We see Satan is at work. But Christ came to free us all from Satan's power. And so the Bible speaks of the gospel as uh, taking us from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God. The, the, the Bible speaks of us having been delivered by Christ from the kingdom of darkness. So why did Jesus come? What are the reasons he came? Well, reason number one, he came to save us. He came to save us from sin and from Satan. But then secondly, we read in Matthew 20, verse 28, Again, Jesus is speaking. He says, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. To save us would cost Jesus something beyond the incarnation. 
as glorious as the incarnation is, remember the incarnation, the word becoming flesh, as glorious as that is, that in and of itself could not save us. God simply becoming a man as, as, as mind-boggling as it is, as profound as, as it is, that, that was not in itself a sufficient to save us. The incarnation couldn't save us. There had to be something beyond that. It would cost Jesus something beyond the incarnation. It would cost him his life. And that's what he's referring to here in the passage that we just quoted from Matthew, that he would give his life as a ransom for sin. And of course, the incarnation was absolutely essential because how could he have uh, given his life as as a human being had he not taken uh, that life to himself? But but the incarnation is, in a sense, it's the foundation in, in order for redemption, to ultimately take place. And Peter tells us that we were redeemed not with corruptible things like silver and gold from our vain manner of life, but with the precious blood of Christ. And so the Son of Man came to give his life a ransom. He paid a debt he didn't owe because we owed a debt we couldn't pay. So he came into the world to pay that debt. We're all indebted to God. We've all sinned. We've all violated God's commandments. And God is a righteous judge. And as a righteous judge, of course, he's not going to just let lawbreakers off the hook. What kind of a judge just uh, dismisses lawbreakers, disregards laws, even from a human standpoint, when we see that sometimes happening, we think, you know, there's, there's something radically wrong with that. And there is something wrong with that. That's injustice. God is just. And we're lawbreakers. We violated his law. So there's a price that had to be paid. But none of us could really pay the price. Someone had to pay it for us. Who could pay that price? Only God himself really could pay the price. And so he came to give his life a ransom. But then Jesus also said in John chapter 10, verse 10, he said, I have come that they may have life and that more abundantly. Another one of those statements, another one of those Uh, expressions of the reason for which he came. I have come that they may have life. Now, implied in these words is that what we think of as life is not really life. See, we, we all possess biological life, and we think of that as life. Jesus comes, he's talking to people who are obviously alive in that sense. They share that biological life together, but Jesus says, I've come that men might have life, implying that we don't really have life. And that takes us back to what I said initially, we're spiritually dead. Jesus came that we might have life, that we might be uh, made alive spiritually. And that's what he's referring to. He's talking about spiritual life, and he refers to it as abundant life. I have come that they may have life, and that more abundantly. 
So Jesus came to give us life. He came to give us real life, true life. And listen, until you experience the life that Jesus came to give, you, you're not really experiencing life. You're existing. You're existing on that level of, of biological life, but there's something so much greater than that. There's something so far beyond that. And you can't have that apart from having Christ. It, it comes to us through him. But this abundant life that he's talking about is really a superior quality of life. That's what he's referring to. He came to give us a superior quality of life. Your, your quality of life can only reach so far when it's lacking that, that spiritual component. Now, some people, their, their quality of life is maybe better than somebody else's because they're, they're more physically fit or maybe they're more... Uh, comfortable uh, economically or more situated socially or something. So their, uh, their quality of life, you might look at and say, well, that, you know, that's a superior quality of life. But regardless of where you are on the social scale, there, there's just a, a limit. There's a point that you can reach and you can go no further. There's a whole nother dimension. There's a whole nother quality of life that can only be had through a relationship with God. And that's what Jesus came to bring us. He came to bring us life and that more abundantly. It is a life of meaning, a life that has meaning, a life that there, there's something to it. it. It's not a random thing. It's not that you just happen to have life, just kind of an accident, you know, wow, just showed up. Here I am. Don't know what it means. There's a lot of people in the world today that practically function that way. They don't know that there's any meaning to life. Some people don't even believe there's any meaning to life. They just think, well, life is meaningless. And you just go on in this meaningless existence, and then you uh, eventually, you, you just kind of um, go back into some sort of nothingness. But no, the life that Jesus comes to bring us is a, a life of meaning, there's meaning to my life. It means something. God created our lives. And that in and of itself is significant. That in and of itself shows that there's meaning. God doesn't do meaningless things. So God created us, but then it's also, beside a life of meaning, it's a life of purpose. Now, these might sound like the same thing, but what's the difference between meaning and purpose? Well, Purpose is that thing that's more specifically about you. We all, life, life is truly meaningful when, when we connect it back to God because God has, had an intent in creating life. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And the meaning of life essentially is to live in communion with God. But then the purpose of life is more specifically what God has designed you for in the bigger picture of life? What has he created you to do? So the life that Jesus came to bring us is a life of meaning. It's also a life of purpose. And because it's that, it's a life of fulfillment. How many people today are living fulfilled lives? 
How many people today could honestly say, you know, I am content. I am perfectly content. Not that many people. Quite frankly, I think really the only people that can truly say that are people that have made the connection between life and God. Apart from that, there, there's no real fulfillment. There's always that sense that, you know, there's something missing. There, there's got to be something more. Well, Jesus came to give us the superior quality of life that includes meaning, purpose, fulfillment. It is a life of communion with God. You see, we're going to see as we wrap things up here, uh, the whole essence of the Christmas message is really life and communion with God. That's what life is intended to be, a life of communion with God. And then that, that superior quality of life also is endless. It goes on forever and ever and ever. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now, John, who penned those words telling us what Jesus said there, um, when he was writing, not the gospel, but when he was writing his first letter, we call it the epistle of First John, as he was finishing up that letter and as he was just kind of looking over really the, the purpose of his coming, the reasons Jesus came, he said this. In 1 John 5, verse 20, he said, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. So when John surveys the whole thing of the coming of Jesus, and now, of course, John realizes who Jesus was. He's the one who wrote those words, and the word uh, became flesh and dwelt among us. So he gets all of that. But, but as he's looking at it now, he says, this is really what he's done. We know that the Son of God has come, and he has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. So the reason that Jesus came was to reveal God to us so that we might know him and live in fellowship with him as his dear children, both now and forever. Now, this word know here is important because it means to know by experience. It means to know by experience. Now, there are different ways of knowing things, right? You can know something because you've studied it or you, you've read about it. You, you haven't necessarily experienced it, but you know it. There's different ways of knowing people. Uh, you, you could say concerning someone, well, yeah, yeah, I, I, I know them, but they're, they're really just an acquaintance. They're, they're somebody that maybe you were introduced to once and maybe you've you know, had brief conversations with... Uh, on a couple of occasions, but, but that's not the kind of knowing that we're talking about here. The Son of God has come and given us an understanding that we might know the Father. The, the idea there is that we would know him deeply, that we would know him in this deep experiential sense. He came so that we could have a personal relationship with the Father. That is the reason that Jesus came. Jesus didn't come, as some mistakenly think, to start a new religion. He didn't do, that wasn't the objective. 
So when Jesus came into the world, what religions existed at the time? Well, there was, uh, you know, in certain part of the world, there was, uh, Buddhism was already there, and there was uh, Zoroastrianism in the um, Middle East, and there, of course, was Judaism. Uh, there, there was religion in the world when Jesus came. When Jesus comes into the world, he doesn't come and say, okay, we've got, we've got these three religions. I'm going I'm to start a new one. Jesus didn't come to start a new religion. Jesus came in fulfillment of the, the scriptures. He came in fulfillment of the Jewish anticipation. And he came to bring us into a personal relationship with God. He came to restore what was lost through sin. When God originally created man, he created man in communion with himself. And when you go back and you read the account in Genesis, you find that God and man are living in harmony with one another. But then if you know the story, something breaks that relationship. That that relationship is, is broken through sin and man then becomes separated from God. But Jesus, he's come to bring us back to what God originally intended so that we would know God in a personal way, that we would know him uh, like we could know anybody else in the deepest, most intimate, most personal way. That is really what Christmas is about, to bring us back into a relationship with God. That is what Charles Wesley's Christmas hymn proclaimed. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. God and sinners reconciled. You see, that's the problem. God and sinners are separated Jesus comes and he reconciles. And then Wesley went on to pen these words, hail the heaven-born prince of peace, hail the son of righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings, mild he lay his glory by, born that man no more may die. Listen, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Born to raise the sons of earth. That's what it's about. Raising the sons of earth, making us the sons and daughters of God. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to raise the sons of earth. He came to pull us out of this fallen state and to bring us back into what God had originally planned. That we would be his sons, that we would be his daughters. This is the message of Christmas. This is the real message of Christmas. The message of Christmas is not happy holidays. Although, of course, we'd, we'd like the holidays to be happy, but, but that's not the message. The message of Christmas isn't, tis the season to be jolly. You know, for a lot of people, there's nothing jolly about this time of the year. But that, that's really not the message. Again, it, if you can be jolly, that's great. But apart from understanding the true meaning of Christmas, what is there to, to be jolly about? It's not even peace on earth. The reality is this. 
unless Christ and his redeeming, reconciling work is at the center of our thinking about Christmas, Christmas is meaningless. It is just another date on the calendar. It means absolutely nothing. It's just a day that we decided we're gonna get together and try to enjoy ourselves and um, think about all the debt that we've incurred um, around this particular day. I'm not trying to be, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge up here, but, uh, you know, just, let's just think about the facts, though. Let's, let's just think about reality. Apart from Jesus, the day is meaningless. It's just December 25th. But when you put Jesus into the equation, that's what makes all the difference. You see, Christmas is about Christ. And it's about Christ coming and doing something very specifically. It's about him coming and making a way for God and sinners to be reconciled. And listen, that is gonna happen on a universal scale in the future, but right now it's happening on a personal level. The kingdom of God is yet in the future, but listen, it's also here now. Yet in, it's yet in the future in the sense that it's, it's, going to, it's, it's going to manifest itself universally in the future. But the kingdom is already here in the hearts of individuals. Someday the kingdom of God will just come to earth because the king himself will return. And then the song that we sing at Christmas, which really refers to the second coming, will, will all be realized. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Let heaven and nature sing. That, if, you, if you look at the words to that song, written by Isaac Watts, it wasn't originally a Christmas song. It's really just a song expressing the glory of the coming again of Christ. But of course, it became a Christmas song because you couldn't have the second coming of Christ without the first. The first laid the foundation. But what's going to happen on a universal scale, what's going to happen on a, on a worldwide scale and beyond is meant to happen now in your own heart and in my own heart. Jesus came to bring us into this personal relationship with God where you could say as a human being, I know God. I know God. God has touched my life. God has forgiven my sin. God uh, has given me joy. He's given me peace. He provides for me. He guides my life. I know God. That's the intention. That's what Jesus came to do. And so I close with these questions. Do you know him? Do you know him? Can you, today, can you say, as you sit here, yes, I, I know God. And now listen, we're not talking about a God that... Um, you've invented. There, there are a lot of people who think they know God, but it's, when you ask them about the God they know, it, it's really just a sort of a larger image of themselves. 
And when we're talking about knowing God, we're talking about knowing the true God, the God who's revealed himself in the Bible. So do you know God? Have you received his gift of eternal life? The gift of God. We're talking about Christmas. It's time for gifts. Well, God gave a gift. What is that gift? The gift of God is eternal life. But listen, it's eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Eternal life cannot be obtained apart from Christ. God gives us eternal life. John says this. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that has the Son has life. Have you received his gift of eternal life? Have you received Jesus Christ? For that is how we receive the gift of eternal life, by receiving Christ. For as many as received him, I come back to this once again, as many as received him, to them he gave the power, the right to become the sons of God, the children of God. Have you received him today? And if you haven't, don't wait another moment. Don't wait another day. Don't wait another Christmas. None of us know the future, do we? I had two good friends go to be with the Lord this year between the Christmases. Neither one of them did I or or, or others around them have any sense that that was going to be the case. We would have just assumed that, well, we'll get together next Christmas. But we don't know. And so now's the time. Now's the time Jesus has come. And in him is life. He came to, to not, not to destroy, but to save. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life. A ransom. He paid the price for our sins. He, he took our place in judgment. And he came to give life. Abundant life. Life that has meaning and purpose. Life that is fulfilling. A life of communion with God. A life that goes on and on and on into eternity. Have you received him? It all comes through him that that we would know God to know him. In the world today that we live in, oh, I feel sorry for people who don't know God. You know, some people think, oh, those poor Christians, you know, they, they need a crutch. They got to lean on something. Well, you know, the reality is everybody leans on something. There, there really are no atheists. Everybody has a God. The question is, do you have the true God? Jesus Christ has come and given us an understanding that we might know him 
who is the true God. Receive him today.